You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there, welcome to episode 78 of the 515 Podcast. I'm Jason Priestmeyer, here with John Wayne McMahon, who is giving me a, like a double guns. That's a good sign. I appreciate that. John, you just nailed that opening. Man, I did. We're doing so good this episode. This is one of our best yet. Yeah, man. Rock and roll. <laughs> How's it going this week? Pretty good. Feeling like Batman today. Batman? Okay, we'll get into that. <laughs> no, not not because of anything cool. I think oh. I like, you, you won't be able to notice because this is a podcast, but yeah. I can't like move my head oh. anywhere. Yeah. That's, so I feel like Batman. That's one of the downsides of, of working yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so we're still in the week, in the season of Advent, which is awesome. I know that because there's still a big Christmas tree and a fireplace on the, on the uh, stage. Yep. In the vine. Yep. That's correct. Which is cool. I'm glad that it didn't go away so quickly. Yeah. Um, why don't we, uh, we were talking about the Old Testament prophecy. Yeah. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And um, how that prophecy was looking forward to Jesus. Yeah. Even though they didn't have a name and say, hey, by the way, we're talking about this guy. Right. Can you give me some more information about that? Yeah. So, background? so we looked at Isaiah chapter 9, and this is, it's pretty typical in, in Advent to look at at least some of the prophecy mm-hmm. to see how... Um, Jesus is the answer to expectations, to the Jewish fulfillment, to the hope of the faith, that kind of thing. That's a typical Advent text. And so Isaiah 9 is one of the more popular ones. Uh I'll just read the first part of the the one that everybody knows, um, starting in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so um, this is the text we looked at, and really we... I tried to look at different parts of it, but but really I think the main point of, of this for me is speaking into the Old Testament context where they would have been hearing this. Mm-hmm. This was truly the light dawning in the darkness because the group um, that this is being spoken to, you can see by the introduction and the context, they were faced with just horrible circumstances and exile and, and what was going on around them. And so... The first word is that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned Mm. and that light will become that that will be Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, the New Testament refers to Jesus in many different ways as light or the light of the world and and God's light shining through. First John has a comparison of light and darkness where there's light, there cannot be darkness. So Jesus being the answer, the fulfillment, the light of the world, that's what's that's what's going on here. And it's really interesting that it's coming in a text that's written a really long time before Jesus. Absolutely. So yeah, it's a prophecy. It's yeah. a prophetic text that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ in his coming. And so this text could have been written at least 500 years, probably 700 years or more. I think, I think 700 years ish before Jesus walks on, on in, in flesh. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's amazing. That's really a cool thing. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So, so how do we know that this is a prophecy? This, these words were were actually telling the prophecy of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. It, It, you know, it begs us to answer how do I mean how do we know 
how do we know that this is first of all accurate and written that long before mm -hmm. so we're talking about um literal criticism historical criticism of of scriptural texts i mean we can find isaiah chapter 9 in ancient in ancient documents that point back to a text that's definitely before jesus mm -hmm. and so we can find literal hebrew words in isaiah 9 that talks about a son is going to be born or given we know through old testament texts that there is this this hope of one who will come in the line of David right. and will reign forevermore. And so that language comes through in here. And so, so first of all, we know that this is written before Jesus. We know it lines up with some of the things that's talked about in the New Testament of Jesus. And I think that's how we can see at least the New Testament authors, people uh, like Matthew um, and even Jesus is going to talk about himself in light of words like this. They're going to quote texts like Isaiah chapter 9. Jesus in Matthew's gospel, when he is faced with the temptation in the desert with Satan, when he leaves, he actually quotes the very beginning of this text word for word out oh, of yeah. Isaiah 9. And That's so he's cool. essentially saying, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. This is the fulfillment. I am the fulfillment of this. Just like in Luke's gospel, he is fulfilling another part of Isaiah's text by saying, I'm the anointed one. I've, I've been the one that's come to set set the captives free and proclaim um, victory. And all. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that's happening. So New Testament writers and Jesus see him in light of what was prophesied or what was spoken of. Uh, before and so that's really important. Uh, does that does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I I don't know how to frame this. I like how um, during different times during Jesus' ministry, he comes out and says, "I'm the Son of God. I'm yeah. the light of the world." Yeah. And then other times he's like, "Is that? I mean, that's who that's who you say I am." Yeah. And but I, I mean, like the motivations, like what he's trying to yeah. get across, what he's trying to get out of people. In response, yeah, I just think that's really a kind of a cool, yeah, um, concept or, or, or idea. Yeah. So Jesus is first of all, he's revealing who he is to the disciples and to those around him in some ways. Well, let me back up and say it this way: Jesus is such a radical. He's in alignment and he's fulfillment of the Jewish mm -hmm. hope, right? But he's such a radical flip of what they, how they expected it would come. It, it, I mean, it, it's the answer, but it's not how they thought it would be. It's <laughs> yeah, just, right. it, it's just like you were expecting pizza, and you got pizza, but it's like with cauliflower crust. Like oh. it's something that uh, was a terrible this is, example. No, this is absolutely real to me. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Yeah, it's still it was still pizza, <laughs> yeah. but it just wasn't like exactly what you thought it was yeah. going to be. And you look at it and you go, "Okay, I, this oh. is pizza." Yeah. So, anyways, that, I mean, that's what's. I'm not going to drive that. No, <laughs> that's great. Too much that's perfect. That. But but it's so radical for them that it takes some teaching and explanation, some revelation. As a matter of fact, and we've talked about this before, it's not until Jesus completes his mission in his death and resurrection or god completes his mission uh -huh. through jesus death and resurrection that it actually becomes clear to most of the apostles i mean they just don't and then the power of the holy spirit that falls on them it just doesn't all come together yeah really. absolutely yeah and so there's a slow way of talking about it so when they believe that there's only one god and then all of a sudden there's this person in the flesh that's saying he's god mm -hmm. it 
but yet he's not Yahweh. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute, how is this how is this possible? And so it takes some some revelation from Jesus, some teaching, mm-hmm. some growing, and then it takes the whole puzzle that comes together for them to be able to see it. Now, I'll say uh, part of what we said to, to prophecies, that that's easy for us, the, the Christian, to kind of see how that comes together. But for the skeptic uh, that finds himself wondering about this prophecy and mm-hmm. how this happens and what this looks like, I, I understand how that can be difficult Um to piece together, but to anyone who's skeptical about this, I just want to say um, that these words, we can historically show that these words were written to be true as the Jewish hope. And there comes a man later who claims to be the fulfillment of that Jewish hope. Right. And so we can line that up objectively. Um, and so as a skeptic, I don't want you to just denounce something because how could something be written 700 years before and be mm-hmm. and come to be true later? Well, we claim that the creator God has the, is the one who orchestrated all of this. And so that's kind of what's, what's playing out here. Yeah. Make sense? Oh, definitely. So, so you just, there were some allusions there to the actual, uh, or the critical pieces of like Jewish history, right? That that uh, are in this prophecy. Yeah. Can you, you know, what's the meaning of that? Yeah. There's two. There's two. So, well, one's pretty obvious. The other one's a little more subtle. And so, um, I'll just share some of the language here. In verse four, it says, "For in the it, basically the prophet is trying to explain or describe with metaphors of what the light that is dawning will be like." Mm, okay. And so you can almost imagine him saying, "The light is dawn. The light's coming," and someone going, "Well." we're in destruction. So what is that light like? (laughs) And the prophet says, just like in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their their oppressor. Now those two, they're right there wrapped into that verse is two different references to the Jewish history of their past. Oh. So Leviticus chapter 26 talks about the rod that was oppressing the people that God saved his people out of slavery in Egypt and broke the rod that was oppressing their shoulders. So that language comes up in Isaiah chapter 9. Mm-hmm. He's saying you've already done this, and then in Midian's day, which was referring to Judge chapter Judges chapter seven, where through the the judge Gideon, who is a basically a representative of God to God's people of the Israelites, leads their people to defeat an army that seriously outnumbered them. And so this reference is just in the place where things look so stacked against uh, the mm-hmm. the people of God, right. and yet they still found um, victory. And just in the just like in the place where they were in slavery and bondage and all looked lost, and he led them out. That's what this light will be like uh, that rescues his people. And so all of that to say, he's saying, listen, remember my faithfulness in the past, and know that I will continue to be consistent with my covenant promise with you to be faithful, to be redemptive to rescue you from that which binds you. That's the message to the people that have, that are facing exile to the Assyrians right there in the middle of Isaiah's text. Yeah. Make sense? Very cool. Yeah. So it's I think that's really important for us because we talked about Sunday the message then for us in our situation is whatever you face, if, you, if you're if you like the Israelites in Isaiah chapter 9 where they're facing destruction mm-hmm. in the land of Zebulun and Galilee in, in this context of what we're seeing, 
then what God is saying to you is look in your rearview mirror, see the times that I've been faithful to you and know that I'm going to continue to be faithful to you, that you can continue down this road, even though everything looks difficult, a light has dawned, the light of the world has broken in, there's still hope. Mm -hmm. That that's the message of this. And, and what, while we're maybe not going through some sort of big political upheaval or, uh, oppressive, um, entity overthrowing you know our people right. place of you right. know, our, our country um that's definitely happening around the world yeah absolutely um, but you know we have our own struggles yeah and, and yeah it still applies yeah absolutely so, absolutely awesome. that's right so isaiah 4 7 is very definitive and firm about you know the rule and the reign of the coming messiah mm-hmm. um we had we had someone actually submit a question uh, or a statement saying you know now that um the quote and the government shall be upon his shoulder yeah um is that that was then is that also is applicable today to yeah you know? so let me let me share isaiah four through seven and you'll see i just read four for as in the day of midian's defeat you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning mm-hmm. Ooh, let me pause there <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get to preach on this so 515 is a great time to bring this out awesome. versus verse five every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning now in the um in the ancient Near East, in the context after war, one of the first plunders or things that the warrior would take would be these boots because they had these nice knee-high leather boots uh-huh. that had a sandal on the bottom of them. But it was it was a it was a valuable thing, uh-huh. and it was it was good for war, but it was also a valuable piece of clothing. And so, one of the first things that they would take would be for that, so that they could continue on in war with protection. Yeah, sure. that they would have this this plunder, and so even. Even people would fight over some of these things. I have to split them up. Yeah. And it says every every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment, it, it's going to be burned. We don't mm. need it anymore. So the light dawning will be like we don't even have to prepare for fighting because the victory has already been won. So it's a cool little um, analogy that's there. Definitely. And then for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, for our listener, what what I think, if I, if I can uh, project a little bit, what I think she's getting at is if... If this prophecy is about Jesus and Jesus is claiming David's reign Mm -hmm. and it is saying his government will be forever uh, and it will last for all time, why do we feel – is that still true today? Why do we live in a time when it – really doesn't feel like Jesus' government (laughs) is what is ruling, right? Um, No matter what some people in our country might say, uh, we're not living – in the West, as as such per se, that Jesus is Jesus is the ruler and reign of of our dominion. Yeah. Now let let me speak into that for just a second. The word for this government is ruler dominion. So place, uh, geographical location where his rule is in is in effect. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I could say that. Um, I could say that in the Priestmeyer household, 
That is Emily's dominion, right? That is her ruler reign. Yes. She runs. <laughs> she runs that kingdom, right? And so it is in that place. Now, outside of this this kingdom, mm-hmm. you would you could argue that her dominion is not there. Um, it is tied to a geographical location. That's what we're saying with Jesus here. That yeah. Jesus' rule or reign or dominion is in is in effect over all the places of the kingdom. And so you're, the feeling of what's going on. Why are we still feeling this? Well, we're living in this kind of already and not yet. What's going on now? Um, I want to make the argument that what we talk about when, as Christians, of Jesus' rule or reign or dominion, it supersedes any human government mm-hmm. that that we have, and so we believe that. And if we don't live that way, then we're missing we're missing part of the truth that is communicated in Jesus sitting on the throne and and what that means. Now, one of the one of the illustrations that I would use for this is we saw was it last night or two nights ago over a hundred Chinese church members were arrested in China overnight uh, in a legal church that was said to be legal yeah. uh, according to the government it was recognized to be legal and yet they were still raided and a hundred people were arrested and taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the quote from one of their church leaders was, we'll continue to worship as long as there's people to worship. Yeah. And so we will not allow the work of this government mm-hmm. to stop us from our worship and allegiance to God, to Jesus. That is saying that the government of Jesus, the rule or dominion, is still in effect. It's yeah. still over all things. I will not bow the knee to anyone or anything else over the faith and the allegiance that I have in Jesus Christ. That's in acknowledging that God's kingdom is, is in play. Now, it's only in play for those that, that, that choose to live in the kingdom. To, yeah, to sure. live in that way. And mm-hmm. so it's not tied to a geographical location like Emily's dominion is to the house. It's tied to a location. It's tied to the dominion for those Christians that bow the knee that are allegiant to who God is. And so that that's a little bit harder to grasp. I mean, it's so crazy that this has just happened a few days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and perfect timing for us to yeah, absolutely. Kind of come draw that parallel. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to see what's going on over there. And and like I've talked to missionaries and other people that have been involved in some of this stuff and, yeah. and there's some parts of China that this is just really not an issue but but we still get we still see some things come across the media where yeah there there's still some persecution taking place so, absolutely yeah it's crazy all right anything else that we uh, missed you, you might not have, you ran out of time this week that you no, want to touch on or? you know just just to put a bow on it I'd say you know, the, as I alluded to earlier, that there's so many times in the in the New Testament where the the writers uh, talk about Jesus as the light, and Jesus comes out and say it, says it in John chapter eight verse twelve. He says, uh, "Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light." And so the kingdom of heaven has already broken through into our world. It is our opportunity to live in that light, to walk in that light. It is there for us to, to, to align ourselves with who Jesus is. And so it's just a challenge for us. Um, not, not as a way of like morally beating ourselves down or anything. It's, it's more about, are we walking in the light that Jesus is casting into our life and, and all around us? Cause the light has dawned. And with that, that carries hope that is available. Now it carries love that is available right now for others. And those that are around us, it carries a peace that is tied to 
who God is and God's presence being with us. And so that's the challenge. What does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? And how is that impacting you when he says these words, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And yet I just, I know that for many of us, there are moments or times or seasons where darkness is pretty heavy. And so praying for you guys, for whoever's experiencing that or feeling that and walking through that because the light has dawned. Mm Mm-hmm. He's already broken through, and that's the truth for us. And I, I pray that truth is is real and invades your space uh, or your season of life even now. Yeah. Amen? Amen to that. All right, streaming this week. You ready for that, Jason? I am as ready as I'm ever going to okay. be. <laughs> so starting this Sunday, we will be live streaming the sermon. The 11 correct? o'clock sermon. The right. 11 o'clock sermon. Okay. So 11.30-ish. Yeah. Uh, but you can you can get you can join in before then and it'll it'll pop up right so you can go to our website. I believe those details are kind of okay, outside of my purview, but right, they are. But coming. you'll be able to go to our website. You'll be able yeah. to find that. We'll probably share it across social, social media. media. Absolutely. So yeah. be on the lookout for that. But but just be on the lookout because this week and next Sunday we'll be kind of working out some kinks. Then Christmas Eve will be full blown the whole service yeah. worship included. And for those of you that are listening, most of y'all will probably be joining us most Sundays. Sure. Uh, or a lot of Sundays. And so maybe the live stream's not meant for you. There's going to be video on demand for those Sundays that you're out. Mm-hmm. You can go check out um, video worship so that you can stay caught up on sermon series and things like that. If you're traveling, you can now watch a uh, live stream or catch up on it. If you if you can't on Sunday morning, maybe on Tuesday, yeah. you can Tuesday night, open it up and look at it. But I think this is a great invitational piece for you to offer to that coworker, yeah. to that neighbor, to someone to check out who we are in Vine Worship and, and see if this is a place where they can find connection and, and feel comfortable. Um, so that's a great thing. I think it's a great opportunity because so many times you know, we share things on Facebook that are yeah. cute, stupid, yeah. meaningful, unmeaningful. Yeah. You know? But this yeah. is a great opportunity to actually share that with someone that... Any, any one of your friends that and you may not know that they need something like this right they might not they might need this message right now and it's not coming to them otherwise so this is a great opportunity for you to share that with them or um, one one circumstance or one example someone shared with me a while back is you know there's a lot of college kids that while they're home for the holidays probably now yeah when they go back to class maybe they don't have a community that they're they're locked into up there right and this is a great way to kind of share this with them and say hey um you can still get you know the, the the good word here from kumc while you're away at college so that's right we're excited for it jason thank you for all your hard work on that and thank you. Uh, pumped, i'm pumped to see where it goes well everybody tune in all right <laughs> thanks y'all we'll thanks. talk to you later bye